That's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. It smells like the inside of like a sabzi mandi that also sells pakore. Correct. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to feel hungry at odd times. No. Yeah. Uh, no. Or it'll smell like extra strong perfume. Also disgusting. Like, you know, they, there's like the two extremes. Our people do two extremes. They either don't use deodorant at all, or they just douse themselves in like the most pungent perfume. I hit record like in the middle of our thought, so I should explain to the listeners because this is so funny. Arthi and I were talking about how there's a rent the runway type service for South Asian clothes, but that I would never buy it because our people sweat. And when they sweat, they sweat like produce. (laughs) No, it would be a very bad idea. And also the fabrics that like our people use. Like, I don't know if it's just like that, like Western clothing has so much like other shit mixed into it. Right. Our fabrics are such raw materials. Like they're so pure that our desi sweat just permeates through the fabric and destroys it. (laughs) It's either pure silk or pure cotton. Or yeah. pure jute or whatever, and yeah. it's going to stain the whole fuck out of it. I don't know. That's a lot of dry cleaning <laughs> that needs to be done before I wear something of that sort. Do but. you know what? Do you know what tarka sweat does to organza? Okay, it's not nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, we are yeah. special. You know, I keep thinking maybe I should just tear them up, maybe take my sari and make a, like a cushion or make some kind of home decor stuff. Well, who has patience? And who are you? Who am I? I'm not I'm not Martha Stewart. I have a sewing machine I got once because it was on sale. Every time I tried to thread the needle, I broke it. And now yeah. I don't have needles and even if I got one, I don't know how to thread it. And yeah, that's not going to happen. So it's just sitting there taking up space i have a sewing assignment i'm going to show you it's so funny we're talking about sewing so my son came up to me and he said mario's oh. mario's nose did fell. you I sew that stuffed. no i did not sew this this is oh. from the nintendo store so okay. i'm holding for those who obviously this is an audio medium you can't hear what i'm doing but my son got a stuffed super mario but the nose fell off and he came up to me and he was like can you glue this back together i was like no i'm gonna sew it for you and he looked at me he was like you can do that and I was like I don't know if I can do it but I guess we'll find out if I can do it I did make myself yeah. a pillow in home ec in eighth grade so maybe I can do I, it so this is such a tangent but we had seri- serious home ec in I believe, India yeah like, it was either go play cricket with the boys or do home, <laughs> home ec and even the boys would choose home ec because that's where the girls were being <laughs> My my cousin, wait, before you yeah. w- before you talk about your experience with home ec, I know it's serious because I have a cousin who has a master's in home economics uh-huh. and her thesis, her master's like thesis was about shami kebabs. <laughs> okay? That's how serious home economics home ec- is. <laughs> yeah, home economics was serious. So... They would have us. So imagine like high school and you're going to home economics. You have to design underwears and pants and (laughs) skirts and whatever. 
And it used to be hilarious because they would the boys would steal all the bobbins from the from the machines and they would hide it from the teacher. So they would go around the class and steal all like parts of the sewing machine. Why? Because nobody wanted to do. I don't want to learn how to sew uh, underwear. Chandi, oh okay? I'm not going to be I'm planning to go get my PhD. I don't need to know how to sew. Why are you making me into a home? I don't want to be a housewife. I already know I don't want to do that. And now you're making me do that. That's so funny. So they would they would steal steal bobbins and needles and everything, and they would hide it in the rafters. So the teacher would come in, and we would be like, "Sorry, there's no porch. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot sew today." So you're telling me you don't sew your husband's underwear? No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> your husband does not have custom underwear. No, he doesn't have custom underwear. He gets. <laughs> you're not making. I don't even know your version what? of Skims. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I am not Kanye. <laughs> I'm not sewing. No, he he does what he does. I don't know what he does. <laughs> Who knows? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know where my husband gets his underwear. I just know he has it. Yeah, I no yeah. Idea. I don't know. He may have underwear. He may not have underwear. I don't know. <laughs> don't tell me. I'm not, I'm not a housewife type, so don't make me I know. do that. I yeah. know. All right, guys. Well, today's episode's already off to a tangent, but we're going to be talking about all of the Housewives content for this week. We're also going to... Ooh, was that Harold? Harold, calm down. We're going to be talking about all the Housewives stuff. We're also going to be talking about Married to Medicine from last week, which we didn't cover on our last episode because we were too busy talking to Ray. But before we get into that, we want to just pivot to a quite a serious topic because we talk about all of the great stuff that happens in the South Asian subcontinent, not so great stuff. But we also like to use our platform to raise awareness to things that are going on. So as many of you might know right now, there is a massive COVID crisis right now in India. In the last two weeks, India reported over 350,000 new cases of COVID, which means the hospitals have now run out of basic supplies. The patients are dying due to oxygen shortages. There's no ICU beds. So people are just scrambling to find what Whatever care they can for their family members. And as a result, people are dying in massive numbers. There are mass cremations happening on rooftops, on parking lots, on open fields. And it's what's terrifying for me, Arthi, right now is knowing that this isn't even India's peak right now. No. They haven't hit their peak. No. Which is. It's unfortunate because uh, when they had the first wave last year, they did do a short lockdown and it sort of helped them. But then uh, they started easing the lockdown. Modi even wanted to do a whole, uh, this is Prime Minister Modi, he wanted to just, he wanted to do hold um, rallies, political rallies. And so he did what Trump did and eased a lot of things. And India has been manufacturing tests and vaccines for many other countries in South Asia. So they've been supplying. So they had been doing that, but they did not maintain control. And as you know, it's a very, very super populated country. And even last week, a couple of weeks ago, my, my best friend in India was out and he and his family were in a restaurant and he sent me pictures and like, no one's wearing a mask there. What's going on? And he's like, nah, it's not too bad. It was bad. It came and hit them over the last couple of weeks. It mm-hmm. just hit them like crazy. And not just that, there are so many new variants too. They don't have oxygen concentrators to help them either. There are no oxygen cylinders. There's no remsidiv- remsidivir, the, uh, the treatment. One dose of 
it is like 45,000 rupees or something like that, like yeah. some ridiculous amount of money and they still cannot find it, even if you had the money. And uh, a few of my family members and extended family members have it right now. We are trying to find, uh, like constantly looking for oxygen suppliers and things like that. You know, you have WhatsApp groups just sending you all this information and you just keep passing it on to folks in different cities, hoping that yeah. they can find it. They are in complete lockdown now. Travel has been fully banned. I think they had to do it for two weeks and not indefinitely because if they said it was indefinite, then people would start moving out of the cities and back into the countryside and they didn't want humans moving. So yeah. they said two weeks and it will probably get extended as it gets through. People have run out of groceries. People are running out of food. There's no proper food systems right now. A lot of nonprofits helping, but it's still hard to get around yeah. when you're in complete lockdown. There's It's still hard to get things to the different communities. It, it's been uh, scary and there's nothing you can do especially people like me who are stuck here. I yeah. can buy an oxygen co concentrator on Amazon, but there's no way of getting it to them. Over here, we can at least work with our local government or work with organizations to try to get resources. And like we said, there's nonprofit organizations that are working to do that. But we feel somewhat protective. I mean, even when Trump was here mm -hmm. and we were dealing with everything we were dealing with last year, and it was very clear that he he did not react in time and we were now scrambling to do what we could because mm -hmm. of the situation that we were in. We still had the now disgraced Cuomo mm -hmm. <laughs> in New York, mm -hmm. but we still had him doing something like in New Jersey. We had Murphy. Mm -hmm. You guys had Hogan in Maryland. I mean, we have local government that does a lot for the people. Mm -hmm. In India, it's a little bit different. The centralized government, people are really feeling failed them, which is mm -hmm. essentially Modi, yeah. who is essentially Indian Trump. Yeah. Yeah. they remained ill-prepared and they did not take enough action until things became really yeah, horrific. I mean, they were ill-prepared. Uh, I mean, they were prepared, but it's also how do you prepare for something that of this scale for this number yes. of people yes, when it happens suddenly, right? So I don't think that the government necessarily was ill-prepared. They managed it poorly by not having a keeping the pressure on and keep, keep educating the people. Yes. Don't let them slack off. Don't let them think that it's gone. It's and you know, they get a lot of news from the US too. So if they see the US, things are getting easier and that the vaccines are out, I'm getting mm -hmm. vaccine. And you know, India hadn't, he has, they are getting the vaccines out, but they still haven't gotten, you know, not everybody is vaccinated. Not everyone got vaccines yet. It's a, it's a long process, just too many people to get around to. And yeah. not more than half of the population is undereducated. So they don't quite yeah. understand yep. how this works. You know, we talked a lot over the last year about people in Florida or mm -hmm. the red states who don't believe in science, who don't believe in the facts. I mean, mm -hmm. take that and multiply it probably tenfold. And that's what you're talking about. In America, I feel like it's a willful ignorance because mm -hmm. they have the information and they're choosing mm -hmm. not to understand it. In India and in Pakistan and the subcontinent, you have to understand it's a lack of access to education. Mm -hmm. It's a lack of access to information. It's coming into a space where people are already underserved yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And healthcare being one of the big ones, but education being another one and access to resources being another one. So yeah. what can we do in this situation to help? You guys can help. If you're listening, you can help by donating to links that I will add to the description of mm -hmm. this episode. 
Mm-hmm. I'm also going to post a highlight on our Instagram of places that you can donate to. And the other thing you can do truly is you can help by getting vaccinated. If you're in the United States or you're in a country where a vaccine is available to you, you should go and get vaccinated. You should get your loved ones to go and get vaccinated. Because oh, I-, I think one of the things that breaks my heart, and you touched on this, what's going on in India, is India makes the vaccines. Mm-hmm. They make the supplies that people all over the world are mm-hmm. using to protect their countries. Mm-hmm. And India is now, they're in the middle of this insanely sad crisis, mm-hmm. even though they're the ones that produce these resources that are protecting us. So what makes me sad is that the vaccine was there. The logistics of it just didn't work out. There's such a mass number of people. And now they're dealing with the sort of aftermath of not being able to organize in a way that mm-hmm. they could. So if you're lucky enough to have access to the vaccine and you can sign up for it or you can get your friends and family signed up for it, go ahead and do that. It's almost like it's the respectful thing to do. It's like you it have is. access to it and you are going to ignore it. How how dare you? I mean, like, how why dare would, you? How exactly. Would you, how would you, how why would you allow the virus to come into your body and make a different variation and stay on in the ecosystem? Like why when you have access to it? It's like when you were a kid and your mother would say, you know, there's a child going hungry in Africa. You better eat your food. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, acknowledge that you are so so lucky to have the healthcare access you have. And to have the vaccine when you need it and take that damn vaccine. It's you, That's the only way we are going to curb this thing. Dude, I had a coworker uh-huh. get the first dose yeah. of the, I think, the Pfizer. Yeah. And then she said, I don't want to go and get my second dose because I'm scared. I said, what? bitch. She works on one of my projects. She was like, I'm just afraid. Like, what if I get really sick? And then, you know, we have this deadline. I said, the deadline can be pushed, honey. You'll be dead okay? if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill you. Yeah. Also, this is not the end of it. Even for us, after we get the second dose, there's going to be new variants and we might need a booster down the line. And that's what Moderna and Pfizer are working on right right now is to start making the booster. Yeah. Get the damn thing and get it over with. What? So you were sick for two days. You'd rather have that than not be able to breathe. Yeah. And be pumped with steroids. And one of my cousins got, they couldn't even find antibiotics. So they started, they had some anti-rabies. They said that would kill, if you have an infection that would still be effective at least 50%. So they gave him anti-rabies. It's like, what? It's almost as bad as Trump saying, like, we can inject bleach into our bodies. Right. And they don't have any antibiotics in the pharmacies. They've run out of simple penicillin and stuff like that. If you have access to the vaccine, your ass better go and get the vaccine, okay? If you are feeling like you got hit by a truck for two days, well, at least you got hit by a truck and you can rest at home in your nice cushiony bed and watch bravo okay so go do that listen to your aunties and your niece (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay let's pivot over yeah yeah it was heavy let's you know what let's pivot over to um atlanta (laughs) what did you think about this reunion and i'm gonna ask you a question who do you think won this part of the reunion Hmm. i'm thinking like Maybe Portia? Mm-hmm. Portia. You know, I also agree that Portia won because Portia is not just able to stand on the fact that she's done this really great amount of work mm-hmm. for Black Lives Matter over the last mm-hmm. year, but she's also really backed by the army of people who fucking hate Kenya. Yes. Like, yes. okay, Portia won the, the reunion. 
Yeah. And I got to say, for me, I know people will think that Kenya was a loser, but oh. Drew was the loser of this Drew reunion. such a loser. Oh, my God. And Kenya wasn't the loser. Kenya is speaking the truth, but she says it in such a terrible way. She doesn't make the point in such a succinct way. And she does, yeah. it, with the, she does it with the venom, right? She Instead does it with a tinge of meanness. Meanness. And that it's not even meanness a tinge. is what people... It's not a tinge. It's like a whole heap full. <laughs> Of it. But that meanness is what people go off. That's that's what people don't like about Kenya. It's yeah. not so it, she was actually making some very sensible arguments, but it her meanness comes through and that bitterness comes through, and that's what people react to. It's if she had said the same thing, but with some a plum and she had said it with some shade like Portia does or you know the good old Phaedra when she was good old Phaedra mm. she would do that would make things funny and if it is funny then people will forget they won't um, necessarily get mad at her but when Kenya says it she says it with so much anger that it comes off as you're really upset aren't you and you're being mean right now and you're going to drag her just so you can get some satisfaction that you were not the only one dragged yes and so that's exactly. that bitterness is what people react to i think drew tried so hard to get kenya riled up though and i have to say in that matchup drew needs to realize kenya is a veteran villain on atlanta yeah Yeah. this woman has had the seat next to andy since the day she came on the show Uh she Mm -hmm. has not left her seat next to andy (laughs) she has remained anytime (laughs) she has been on the show so kenya's not going anywhere drew you need to calm down but drew really tries to come at kenya first of all Drew thinking that Kenya saying who brought in these strays uh-huh. is as bad as Drew yeah. constantly questioning the stability of Kenya's marriage yeah. yeah, or constantly making comments on how Kenya should be able to keep mm-hmm. her man. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that will be Drew's downfall, and I can already see it, is Drew takes no accountability for anything. No. Even Kenya, as terrible as she is, mm-hmm. she will apologize for it. She'll kick and scream about it. She'll drag her right. heels, but she will eventually apologize. Even Drew says, oh, damn, I can't believe she apologized for that. Right. But right. Drew is so was so ready for Kenya to not apologize that when Kenya apologizes, Drew's like, I'm never going to forgive you. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, Drew is trying so hard. But oh, one of the gosh. funniest things that came out from it, this happened after the reunion aired, mm-hmm. which was around this Native American costume. <laughs> And the pictures that came out. So obviously Kenya wore a Native American costume. She actually did a very nice job of talking about it. It was like, oh, Kenya got coached. Yeah. So Andy (laughs) asked her, and I think he was surprised by her response because he asked her, why are you sorry? And he thought she she would be like some of the other housewives when they apologize, but they don't really learn. Yes. But Kenya was properly coached. She knew exactly what to say. And she was really, truly, I think it was not just coaching. I think she was truly sorry too. That came through. That was since and so yes for sure she gets points for that 100 she got points for that but then she brings up the fact that drew actually has a picture of herself she says drew was dressed up as an indian woman Mm -hmm. on halloween and drew responds to that by saying we were at this event celebrating our ancestors in louisiana and it was a native garb native american garb that my ancestors wore and blah, 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 which immediately I was like, Drew, 
You got your dots and feathers confused, honey. It's not the same thing. I did not see the picture. Was the was the picture about Native Americans or was it a picture of No, it was no, an sorry. Indian. So Indian, we're talking red dot, honey. She got really? her dots and her feathers confused. Yes. So she was and wearing so, a sari in the picture or was she, I thought she I was, don't know what I think she was wearing either a sari or something, but she was doing a namaste and then she had a bindi on. So that's what Kenya was talking about. Kenya said, you were dressed as an Indian woman on Halloween. And Drew said, no, we were at this place and blah, blah, blah. And then Drew went so far as to tweet the picture. Yeah. Okay, the picture is so horrible. So that the picture, picture, I sort of saw it um, on yeah. my phone when I was falling asleep. So my, you know, my eyes are not good. I had no focus. But I thought her mother and everybody else had Native American like feathers and something. Okay, they did. But like uh-huh. a lot of people are responding back saying like, that shit looks like party city. That does not look like anything official. But the funniest thing about it is that's not what Kenya said. Kenya said Indian. And Drew yeah. and Drew keeps responding saying Native American. <laughs> and it's like, Drew, yeah. you're digging yeah. yourself into a hole yeah. and yeah. you're not going to take any accountability for it. That's the problem yeah. with Drew. That's yeah. the thing. And when Drew gets pushed into a corner, Drew likes to like pop off or start crying. And it's really yeah. bad. And you know, there's even moments when Portia kind of looks at her like, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah. But I actually I actually thought that Kenya and everybody else went um they didn't go hard enough at Drew. Mm-mm. I thought they went pretty simple and she was acting like the simplest of things that they had said was such a huge big deal. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you it said wasn't. worse things, Drew, and people are not bothered by it. I mean, they're bothered, but they're not they're not coming at you and saying you said it blah 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 you're the one bringing it up drew reminds me of hannah so much it's like they are almost like they're like twins oh i have not watched the summer house reunion because i'm savoring it for the weekend it's like the same exact thing as drew is doing it's like you don't want to take accountability but you want to think like the simple things that other people said was like a huge big deal but anything you said it never happened another thing that she said that was really annoying was when she was like kenya's trying to flirt with my my man i think that's so disrespectful um no she said it once in an interview and that was it yeah but overall yeah i agree with you that i think portia won but i believe that kenya brought the fireworks Mm-hmm. Kenya yeah. makes Atlanta interesting, yes. truthfully. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that Kenya is, you know, thinking back to now this information, we know that Kenya might be fighting a battle for Candy because it's yeah. easier for Kenya to fight that battle than for, yeah. for Candy to do it herself. I see that because I also have gone back and watched a bunch of the Speak On It episodes. Uh-huh. Candy does. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, does yeah. bring up a lot of stuff that happened off camera and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely tell that Candy has sort of a, lo- a like a simmering irritation with Portia, mm-hmm. but a, but an understanding that she will not cross it because she knows what will happen when she crosses yeah, it. Yeah. Kenya has no problem gunning for Portia because when in the fight between Kenya versus Portia, Portia will always be the one who ended up punching her and dragging her across yeah in that way kenya sort of has the upper hand and she continues to like goad at her but i the thing that's bothering me about portia is as a human being i appreciate that portia is quote unquote grown up enough to Mm -hmm. leave this and move on and not feed Mm -hmm. into it but as a viewer of a television show yeah i'm really gonna need portia to do more You know what I mean? I think she'll come. I think the second reunion episode, something will happen or she will bring it next season. I think this season was like, I think the other reason Candy is leaving Portia alone is because of the 
the season and the time right now yes. and the Black Lives Matter and all of that. Even Kenya is not Kenya is touching upon it, but she's only in the in the, in the outer ring. She's not going for a direct punch at Portia either. She's like sparring with her, but not really punching at her. So they're all handling it slightly different because of that. I think I think next season they'll bring it for sure. But God, I hope Drew doesn't come back. The fact that Ralph was the only man who showed up and and, and Andy was all over Ralph doesn't give me that hope that he's going to fire Drew. I don't mind Drew coming back next season only because Drew is going to be up on her high horse and mm-hmm. she's not a good housewife. Mm-hmm. She's actually a very sloppy housewife. She thinks that she's playing the game very well right. and I'm excited to see her fall. I would watch her fall because I think I'm going to get some pleasure out of it because she's just the worst. She is. Ugh, she's horrible. Anybody who talks that much about how perfect their marriage is when clearly mm-hmm. it is not is in for a rude right. awakening. Yes. You know, that's yes. what I want. And Ralph did not answer where he Event in Tampa oh no, Ra- he never answered it. He Ralph never didn't provide it. any real information. I went to a restaurant and I ate alone, and I have the re- receipt. How do you know that you? She didn't. The other person did not pay for their own food. Exactly. How do you know that you were at a restaurant alone just because you have a receipt to the food? So you went to Tampa is all you have. The proof is that you went to Tampa and you went. The man works in IT. He and can create a receipt. For he can anything. create anything for anything. Okay. Yeah. And Drew is just dumb enough and delusional enough to want to hold on to this marriage to believe it. One more thing about Atlanta that I thought was really gross was they did an entire montage of the women's weight. Oh my God. Yes. That was that so That was so mad. weird. Like, why are we even talking about that? And Andy was like, oh, I I think I gained almost 10 pounds. 10 pounds? Get the fuck out of here, Andy Cohen. He wore a chunky sweater and he's like, he yeah. <laughs> exactly. He weighed himself in like a four piece suit and he's like, I gained 10 pounds. Yeah. I was like, no, you don't say that. Not to women that have gained like 40 pounds. I just can't believe that they actually made and that. And your audience like me that has gained like 60 yeah, pounds. Like there's people at home in the pandemic. And I just feel like there's so much talk about like, oh, weight gain and blah, blah, blah. Like we survived. We were able to actually live in the last year, which is not something that a lot of people got to yeah. do. So how about we don't focus on what your weight, your body was? I know. Andy, it's the worst. So stupid. All right, let's talk about speaking of stupid. Let's talk about Dallas, this dumbass Dallas finale. Uh. Okay, I. I realized why I grew tired of Dallas this season. I mean, we talked about it. Watching mm-hmm. Tiffany have to play nice around these dumbasses got really mm-hmm. exhausting. But I'm especially yeah. tired of watching wealthy women be ratchet in an unfun way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. one like Ramona and Sonia are gross and insane, but mm-hmm. they still do it in a fun way. But there's even times when they How, do. So but there's there's was... even times when they do it where I'm like, this is unacceptable. But for the most part, Ramona and Sonia do it and I've laughed. And I don't know why I cannot laugh at these women. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they're they're destroying property and they are picking on people that are below their stature. And they're really being mean about it. The way Carrie went after the guy who had come to their um, home and stuff, that was mean and then the way they have destroyed they were destroying this place yeah they're renting it out this is somebody's small business you don't go about just misbehaving like that and then brandy when she calls that owner she switches into this little baby and she's just crying pointed in me and my god I want to see I hate it. it I realized in that moment that Brandy is very used to using her white woman tears to get away with uh-huh. things and that is very upsetting <gasps> to watch that was 
totally an example of white woman tears because she just switched so fast into this little baby voice and then, and then using the words like you you're going not you're going to be mad at me but you're going to be so disappointed like a child like a child and it's like saying that treat me like a child that you would not really get mad at but you would be disappointed yeah. at so disgusting and Carrie doesn't even feel that remorse Brandy at least feels like oh my god Brian has to pay for this Carrie doesn't even the only time I felt Carrie had something was when she when they started telling her husband over the phone of what had yes. happened she was panicking in that yes. moment Did you see yes. her eyes just went around and she was like oh, don't tell him yep. that she was panicking she was. you're absolutely right in that carrie does these things with a tinge of mean not even tinge she does it to be malicious mm-hmm. and to be angry and to be mean mm-hmm. and she can call mm-hmm. it fun and jokey as much as she wants but she knows mm-hmm. that if she were sober she saw somebody mm-hmm. acting that way she would say that that is a mean thing that they did i mean truthfully yeah. this is why carrie had leanne's number It's because Leanne did shit like this and she was mean. So that's why Carrie saw it and that's why Carrie called it out because Carrie knows that that's Mm. what she does. With Brandy, I think the reason why watching Brandy cry about this obviously disgusting drunken mess of a night that they had, I think the reason why that was really upsetting for me was, like I said, it's this weaponization of her white woman tears. But it's the fact that if Tiffany was to do something like that or a black woman was to do something like that or a brown woman was to do something like that they would never ever be able to cry about it and be forgiven Mm -hmm. it would never be just oh it's just who she is and she made a mistake it would be oh well Mm -hmm. black people are like that oh well brown people are like that oh well hispanic people are like that that's the Mm -hmm. reason why watching brandy be terrible and be barely called out on it was really upsetting and even tiffany says later everyone is coming after carrie and no one is coming after brandy when brandy did something just as bad brandy instigated this entire thing she decided to go into this quote-unquote museum room and she made carrie go into the room with her and it goes back to the point earlier or two episodes ago that ray brought up which is this is a racist person and this is a mess of a person and you guys refuse to talk about her and you guys refuse to be honest with her and this is why this show is becoming unwatchable. I don't want to watch Stephanie and Brandy give each other promise rings which is really fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Arthi don't ever give me a ring. I I just bought one. (laughs) Okay fine I'll wear it myself. I don't ever want to see that because Mm -hmm. it's not genuine and it's not likable and it's not interesting at all. It was not so much the giving the promise ring that was weird. The reason Brandy was giving the promise ring was yet another scene for Brandy to talk about how she had been wronged and how much she had gone through this season. And here was Stephanie helping her. Even Stephanie was surprised at that moment. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm there for you. But so it was just one yet another yeah, scene great point. Yep. of Brandy crying and saying how much of a tough time she had. Then she made a speech to her husband. And it was also another speech of how what a tough year she had and how everybody had been there for her. The fact that Brandy got to have the last party, it was just so wrong. I mean, Brandy should have been sidelined and quiet yep. the whole season. Instead, she was put as the prominent person in this season. And she was given all the opportunity she wanted to say how much 
much she was wrong. I hated it. And yeah, the overall, the way the, the whole season played out was horrible. And and by that time, Brandy was uh, 16 weeks pregnant and she was lying there getting drunk. That's a lot of pregnant. Okay. That's a lot of pregnant. <sighs> As a woman, I'm going to, again, try not to make assumptions about somebody's birth journey or fertility journey or whatever, but I find it extremely suspect that you could be 16 weeks pregnant with your fourth pregnancy. And she came rolling down the staircase like that. (laughs) That was scary. (laughs) Like, once you know that and you think, oh my gosh, she she fell down the stairs. There are scenes from them in Oklahoma where she looks fully pregnant. Right. Fully pregnant. So I don't know. And no, none of her castmates asked her about it either. It's like, uh, I don't know. I do think the reunion looks interesting. I think it looks yeah. hilarious that she's on that poorly lit Zoom screen. And it's really, you know, the comeuppance have come. Somebody on the Crappens Facebook group said, tell me you have been fired without telling me you have been fired. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep saying that. I know that Jesus doesn't love her because even on a Zoom yeah. screen, Jesus is not giving her any of his light. Okay? No. Yeah. I think Tiffany was, she didn't know what to expect going in. But I think over the over the season, she has actually been emboldened by her reception of her in the social media circles. And I think she feels strong enough to really take on Cameron and Carrie and all of them. So, yes. Uh, one of the other things I thought was hilarious was when they're all talking about how they're going to talk to Carrie because she's so destructive Deandra's like listen I don't want to be the bad guy so you guys are gonna have to start it because it can't always just be me ganging up so like somebody brings it up I think it's Cam or something it's like what do you think about how you're acting and Deandra's like yeah and you're out of control and you drink too much I was like okay Deandra Okay, but also, Deandra, you didn't think about any of that. You didn't think that was an issue when Tiffany was pushed into the water. But because you got pushed into the water, now all of a sudden, that's a bigger no, issue. No, she brought it up. Now she, bring, now she brings it up and says, I got pushed into the water. And then Tiffany got pushed. In. But when <laughs> Tiffany got pushed into the water, Deandra didn't say a word then. No, she no, didn't she say did. anything to she did. She did. She got on Carrie. She got in Carrie the yeah. next day. That's what caused him to have the fight in the vineyard. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. The season's been long. I forgot. But not that night. No. It was hilarious, though. <laughs> I just love Deandra uh, because she's like, I'm going to be trying to be quiet because I don't want to be the one. And then as soon as she gets the opportunity, she's like yapping away like Mama D. What do you think of Deandra going and talking to a stepmom? I don't care about that at all. And, and, and it, apparently none of that improved any of her relationship anyway. So, so why were we like even? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. It was stupid. Let's talk about New Jersey. Yeah. Well, it was such an awesome, awesome episode of New Jersey. It was a perfect episode of New Jersey. And I have to say that this gathering with the moms was the most genuine Uh gathering we have seen on any Housewives episode ever. Yeah. It was yeah. so honest. Yeah. I just want Melissa Gorga to watch that and know that this is the stuff that we tune into New Jersey for. This yeah. is it. These family mm-hmm. moments and everything like that. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was yeah. so honest. Like yeah. you knew that everything that was happening in that whole scene were real yeah. things that were happening because you can't script the shit with the moms. Yeah. Like Jennifer yeah. spilling the beans about what the psychic said to Dolores and Dolores being oh, like, maybe I like, didn't tell my mom that yet. My mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jennifer was like, Jennifer brought the moms together with a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. 
to give her mom a perspective of it's okay to live separately and blah, blah, blah. And she kept pushing that. She kept pushing that every time the conversation, she's like, see mom, see mom, see mom. Yeah. And then eventually they landed on that subject, right? So, but I think her mom probably, she her intention was good, but I think the, it, her mom also saw it as an intention of, you're trying to convince me that I should stay away from my husband instead of convincing my husband to behave and be nice. Yes. That's how mom, that's how the mom's brain works. Yes. She wants an apology from her husband. She wants an acknowledgement from her husband that she was treated poorly. Separating from him is not going to give her that. That's what the Desi mom attitude is that I, I want an apology. Then we separate. First, you give me an apology and then I separate on my terms. You don't separate me and say that I should forget about all everything wrong that has been done to me. Which actually is a very honest and real. It's a very mm-hmm. realized way of living. My mom, my dad is dead and my mom still wants an apology from me. <laughs> And she's not going to get it, but she will still bring up every time she feels sad that he is gone. Like within seconds, she'll remind herself of how mean he was to her, too. So she will be like, yeah, he's gone and he left me here. But when he was alive, he would say such mean things. And she would go into that. And she's due an apology, but she's not going to get one. It's very hard to move from that. The way that the other women feel is sort of this like we're old and at this point, yeah. what are you going to get out of it? You might as well just yeah. move on and live your own life. But I think the other thing is that Jennifer's mom and probably your mom come from a world mm-hmm. where your role in your relationship with your husband really matters and your success in that situation yeah. Yeah. really matters. They can't yeah. do this thing where Jello like Toro, like it's fine. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because to them, because they feel like if we leave it to it is what it is, we failed in some way as our role as women because our role as a wife is so important in our yeah. culture. To Jennifer's mom, mm-hmm. she got married at 16. This is all she has known. So if at this mm-hmm. point in her 60s or 70s or however old she is, she says, oh, well, fuck it. It kind of devalues her own feelings about herself to say, well, no, I gave this person 50 plus years of my life. Yeah, It's my turn to be acknowledged. And I think that's actually a very honest and real way of existing. I think that the way the other women think is probably because they got to have a life before they got married. Correct. And they dated and they had, you know, they had suitors. Yeah. To some extent, it was their choice. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, you know, it's also a question of arranged versus, you know, marrying. You choose when you fall in love and you marry somebody, you choose. So whatever comes out of that relationship is your thing. But when you get arranged, you have a deal yes i am doing all this to have a family and help you have a family and have a fulfilled life and in exchange you have to give me the respect and the the joy and all of the love that i need if you go into that and then you have been doing everything that was asked off of you by religion by culture by traditions by the arrangement of that marriage or whatever by society and 
you did your part diligently and took shit while doing all of that. And in the end, you don't even get to live your twilight lives in the manner that you want to and in the manner that you deserve. And where is my apology and where is the joy? So he got to enjoy the married life on his terms. And now because he cannot get along with me, he can he gets to go free and have enjoy his retirement now that he doesn't need me. He can go have a retirement uh, independent of me and I still am unfulfilled. Mm -mm. That doesn't work Mm -mm. out. So that that bitterness is not something you can give up easily. To some extent, she's like, you made my life hell. I'm going to make your life hell. Yeah. It hurts also when this person turns out to be this like adorable little cute man. Yeah. Nobody thinks of him as the aggressor or the person that might have made you miserable. You're such a sweet old man. How could he have made your life miserable? You are such a shrill bitch right now. Yes. You're so annoying. Yes. So you must have been the one that was nagging him. Yeah. Well, that's not how it works in our households. It's like actually the men with the lower self-esteem are the ones that treat their women worse. Yes. Outside of their family, they might come off as very mousy and very nice and uh, the sweetest uncle ever. But in their relationship, they still want to dominate because they think they have to dominate also because of the patriarchy of the society. They fail miserably at it. Miserably. Especially with strong women women and that's when the the dichotomy comes and then there's a struggle and you have to remember that jennifer is who she is because of probably what she saw growing up so mm-hmm. jennifer is this very loud no filter kind of boisterous mm-hmm. very colorful woman and mm-hmm. she she is this way probably because of the type of woman that raised her for jennifer's yeah. mom to get married at 16 it means she's probably what 20 years older than her and mm-hmm. so they the the relationship you have with your mother when your mom is a young mom is very different jennifer learned probably how to be boisterous and fun and loud from her mom but her mm-hmm. mom never was appreciated for being that person by her husband and now her mm-hmm. husband gets to be sweet a sweet old man who mm-hmm. everybody thinks is so cute And the mom Mm -hmm. is now turned into a villain because she is now Mm -hmm. demanding her due. It's sad. It's actually just, it's sad, but I actually think it's such compelling, interesting TV because it really does tie into this thread that we've seen on New Jersey throughout the years, which is the relationship between husbands and wives. That's been a Mm -hmm. very core part of the New Jersey housewives. The relationships between these women and their husbands. And that brings us to this bullshit that they're doing to (laughs) Dolores. Okay. Yes. First of all, Arthi, let's just say it. We were right about Dolores. Okay. Yes. Dolores is yes. perfectly fucking happy with David. She is perfectly fine with David. She's like, I've done the marriage stuff. I don't need to marry. Yeah. She wanted a commitment, but a Porsche, Porsche is fine. <laughs> I'll take a Porsche. And she thought she might have wanted, she might have thought she wanted a commitment at some point because of all these chirpers around her saying, yeah, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And she was like, okay, I need a ring. But then, you know, she came to settle it and she's like, you know what? I don't really need one. I don't need one. She's got her own house and then she has another house that she can go to mm-hmm. A gorgeous mansion. Where she gets re- gets ready for a red carpet event. For her, she has a closet there. Yeah. With she's got her, her red, red carpet. carpet house. She's got her own house. She gets to right. go back and forth. Now she's got a bomb-ass car. Her kids mm-hmm. have the option of being wherever they want. She doesn't need to worry exactly. about them anymore. Like we said before, and I think Dolores said something this episode This was that was exactly on point. Mm-hmm. Dolores said, I was nine months pregnant when I threw Frank out of my house. Do you think I'm the type of woman that needs a husband to make right. her feel like she is safe? Right. She's perfectly right. fine. Joe Gorga. It's and, not and cute. And Jackie was. Yeah. 
And Jackie was absolutely right. Jackie was one hundred percent. Joe Gorga right. was talking to Melissa. He was saying things that he wanted Melissa to understand that if you leave me, this is how you're going to be. You're going to be broken like Dolores. You're not going to find another man. You're going to be suffering, and nobody else has got. You see how uh, I am so committed to you. You see how even David is not being committed. He's a good guy, but he's not committing to marriage. He's committing to this relationship, and that's how guys are outside of our marriage if you leave me you're not going to find anything better that's what he was he's so insecure and and she was right she called him out she called him a neanderthal she called him she's like i'm not the one who got mad when my wife walked in front of me yes. so don't come and talk to me about it and Dolores like gave right back at yeah um, she was like i'm perfectly Joe. happy and he was like impossible how can you be happy yeah. he's always working Maybe that's what yeah. works for them. She doesn't need yeah. to be crawled up his butt all you the time. To say whether, like, who the fuck are you to say whether she's happy or not? Yeah. Whether she's broke. To say that she's broken? Oh my that God. That was so offensive. That was so <sighs> unbelievably offensive. But I think what pissed me off even more was that we touched on this a little bit when we talked about Jennifer sort of finding her little liberation her little rebellion in a sea of misogyny or in a sea of Mm -hmm. what we uh, what a lot of people would picture as backwards Mm -hmm. traditional living yeah melissa has also found that for herself with joe gorga so good for them but i think what pisses me off is when those same women who have found their rebellion within this sea of misogyny don't recognize when misogyny is happening to other women. And I right. think that really upset me because Jennifer's like, well, maybe he has a point. And Melissa's like, I get what he's trying to say. Like, no, your husband is an asshole. Joe Gorka is an asshole. Yeah. And you guys need to shut the fuck up and right. accept it. Right. And I love the fact that Dolores was like, I already had somebody like you, Joe Gorga. Yeah. You and Frank Catania are the same person. And I don't want that again. Yeah. If Dolores right. wanted, she could be back with Frank in a second, but she does not want that. I mean, the way Frank walked into her house, Dolores, Dolores, (laughs) he just crashed into the house. I was so afraid the stairs were going to be broken the way he stomped off. He does kind of like walk into her house like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah, (laughs) he does. Like so pumped up with steroids and he shows up there. I'm like, how was she ever married to you? What did she find in it? What I love about Dolores is first of all how she pops off on everyone. She's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you to everybody at this party. But there's another moment earlier when she's on the phone. It's like a flashback moment, but they show her Mm -hmm. on the phone with her doctor getting biopsy results. Mm -hmm. (laughs) While she's getting the biopsy results, she has a packet of frozen steaks on her shoulder. (laughs) I think she went for the biopsy and she came back. I think it might have been the same day. I don't know if you get the results the same day. I didn't understand why she was like, maybe her shoulders hurt from exercise, but she had like a whole big steak lying on on her shoulder. I was like, this woman does not need anyone. Okay, she wants her dogs. She wants her kids. She wants her multiple houses. Right. That's all she wants. And I, and I agree with you that I think that everybody was chirping so much about what's the deal with you and David, you and David, that she said, yeah. okay, I want a ring. But I don't yeah. think Dolores really wants that. Okay. Deli- D- David yeah. is apparently a magician in the bedroom. Yes. Okay. Her ex-husband built her a new house. Two new yeah. houses. Two new houses. Like Dolores is such an amazing woman. She is actually yeah. who we should all be striving to become one day. Exactly. <laughs> she got, you know how you get a great husband in uh, in the bed, but then they're not good handy beds? Yeah. 
So she got a great <laughs> handyman. Yeah. Who is also like actually a lawyer, though he cannot practice. Yeah. He's also a lawyer. Yeah. So she got a lawyer slash contractor slash workout buddy. Yeah. And somebody who grills food and gets them food and all that stuff. Yeah. And a driver. Yeah. And then she got the wealthy doctor and is great in bed. So she got Every part of her life covered. She's covered. She has everything in her life. Dolores is literally living the life. Okay. The life. Exactly. <sighs> it, something bre- breaks down in the house, call Frank. Yeah. Some, you know, you need money and something is, you know, you have a medical emergency, call David. You want, you know, you want to have a romantic night out, go with David. You want to go shopping and go hang out with your girls, take Frank. She's just got every aspect of a happy woman covered. And the other reason why I think that we, well, I've told you guys this before. This is what I've heard from people who know Dolores, which is that Dolores and Frank were civil with each other and cordial, but not hanging out with each other the way they show on the show. It only happened once Bravo met Frank and Tanya, but Frank Atanya is also on the show because Dolores knows that in order for her role on New Jersey Housewives to work, mm-hmm. she needs to have a male counterpart. Mm-hmm. Counterpart, you cannot be a single woman on this show. Yeah, you can't. It didn't work and out Frank for Danielle. Is funny enough, huh? Yeah, didn't work out for Frank. Is funny enough. Frank is funny he, enough. He actually he kisses Gorga's butt, so he's like, "I'll do anything to get that uh, Bravo paycheck. It's fine." Okay, <laughs> you know Joe Gorga is really gonna calm down. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, I don't to need to see down. it. He's an old man now. He needs to realize he's an old man now. Is there an anti-testosterone? <laughs> he needs to get into menopause. <laughs> I hate andropause. But yeah, I think that Dolores is doing perfectly fine and I would just like it. Everybody should leave yeah. Dolores the fuck alone. Okay, Dolores yes, is my hero. Yes. Yes, I want to be is. Dolores when I grow up. Exactly. I The other thing I really loved about Dolores is when she started to get angry, she kind of, her hands started to do the, uh-huh. she, she pulled into she, Dorinda. The- the hands yes. down and the Dorinda, yeah. which is actually a very, yeah. I think it's a very Northeast Jersey. thing because I also yeah. do that when I get angry. Yeah. There's a lot of hands <laughs> being used, but yeah. it also cracked me up because it was very, welcome back, scumbag. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she was like, Frank, we're leaving. And Frank is like, okay. And she gets into the car and she's like, I need to be quiet for five minutes to gather my thoughts. So don't speak. And he's like, whatever, whatever, Dolores. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. He's like so shit. Because you know Frank gets a check from Bravo. So Frank is yeah. like, I'll do whatever you need me to do to stay on this goddamn show. I don't care. You know what? Like it's come on, it's very obvious. But I just I fucking love Dolores. Okay. Everybody yeah. needs to lay off of her. Mm-hmm. That was a good, good, good episode. It was a, per- it. it was a perfect Jersey episode. I loved it. Yeah. Teresa is horny. You know this episode because her voice is very high. I know. <laughs> She's screeching throughout, and she goes looking for the house, which is like again fake yes. looking. That's not a Teresa house at all. There's not enough rooms in that house. No. Can you imagine Teresa people. being in those basically Carol Radzville stairs? I no know. way. Absolutely not. I know. Yeah. But you knew Teresa was, it was a happy Teresa episode because her voice was just screeching the whole time. If she was like an octave that you could tell the audio from the mic was like blaring. So they had to turn it down. You could tell it was like slightly muddled. So you knew that she was just like screaming into her microphone the whole time. (laughs) 
I know. All right. Let's talk about Married to Medicine. It was a while ago, so you'll have to remind me. Yeah, sure. So on this episode of Married to Medicine, they did their Georgia Know Your Status event at the March on Washington, which was lovely and moving. Again, Married to Medicine made me cry. Whenever they do a montage of the hard work that they're doing, anything with Black Lives Matter, how honest they are to each other. How they can go from fighting with each other to being together in this space and like Heavenly and Toya literally have like a very emotional moment because they do feel those things. Though Toya Mm -hmm. brings up the fact she's like, I believe that Heavenly is sincere, but I know that in 10 minutes she's going to do something that really it goes left. So they do this. They have a gathering at the house and... I believe the women from what they think will be married to medicine DC come over. Yeah, it said DMV. I thought they said to Maryland and DC or whatever, but it's like it was some sort of none like of a, them are compelling. Did you find any of them compelling? No, it was like some weird audition. Like, oh, yeah, the one that came and was talking too much and wanted food and all that. She was already she had already had a couple of drinks. Yes. So it was so odd. It was odd. Toya brought up this issue with Contessa that she said Carrie said something about you should be on the intelligence side or come over to the smart yeah, side. The smart the side. The funniest thing about that was Heavenly said, wait, you think that we said that she was intelligent? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody picked up on that. It's so much. Everybody was talking so much at once. And she was like, if I meant it, I would have said it. I do believe she's, you know, we are the smarter ones. I do believe she's, you guys are dumb. <laughs> and I would have said it, but I didn't say it. It's great. I would own up if I said it, but I did not say it. It was so great. So like. <laughs> so you know it was Contessa who said that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But then the thing that I found really strange was that Carrie says that this happened Toya starts to pop off, but nobody really holds Carrie responsible for potentially lying and stirring shit up. And that's when Contessa said, are you doing this sincerely? Are you being honest or you know that you're trying to stir shit up? Basically kind of breaking the fourth wall to be like, are you trying to make this a moment? Because this isn't worth Mm -hmm. it. And that's when I have to say, I don't never, I don't really like to be on Contessa's side with anything. But in that moment, I was on Contessa's side because I think Contessa realized that this is a dumbass fight. Mm-hmm. And Toya is getting angry for things that she doesn't quite understand what's happening here. And really, I have been saying this, that uh, Carrie, sh- uh, if she has come on this trip, which had so much more attached to it, so much more importance attached to it, Carrie should have kept her mouth shut and just been a nice person to get along with everybody Her being the only white girl there and then she's causing all these, stirring up all these other nonsensical, completely nonsensical fight about herself as being her. She's the focal point and people are fighting over her. That didn't happen, Carrie. It felt icky. It felt icky. It was such a wrong thing to bring up. And all that Toya took away from that was that Contessa is saying that I'm not smart. Which, like, Toya, and you already know Contessa Toya knows this. that, too, which is why she's getting upset. She <laughs> knows she's not smart. You don't throw it in my face is all she's saying. Yeah. Like, she's not saying that she's smart. She never said she's smart. But don't say that I'm dumb, either. That's rude. <laughs> Two things that I thought were really funny in that whole stretch. One was obviously Eugene's mom. 
who comes, oh. sits down, and says, no thanks, and no, goes thanks. over to sit by the men. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then and, and Toya doesn't even realize that her mother-in-law has left the scene until yeah. she goes over to complain to daddy. And then she's <laughs> like, oh. Like, well, I don't want to know. Daddy was so good. He was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But then the other thing that I thought was really funny was they all sit down. They're having this nice moment. <laughs> Simone has to sit down and be like, how are we going to be honest with each other? And Heavenly's like, can you stop playing these fucking games with us? And then they show this <laughs> montage of Simone playing quote unquote games to stir shit up. It's hilarious. It's, oh and she God. always does it in her Dr. Like, Simone oh, yelling Simone. voice. <laughs> that is like the slow yelling voice. <laughs> That's how I speak. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> that's how I speak. Cecil. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, but again, Mary to Medicine, know. like... It makes me laugh. It makes and me Eugene cry. Is, again, Eugene is the perfect husband. He doesn't get involved. No. He lets Toya be Toya. He tells he doesn't tell his mother whether she should go or not. He's like, okay, Ma, come here, sit with me. And he's making food. He's cooking food. Yeah. He's just being the best host. After having worked all day, he comes back and he starts making food for all yeah. of these guys. He starts grilling something. He's the best. So I think it's grilling is Zen activity to calm himself down. I would love, that. I would love to spend a weekend at the Bush Harris house. Yeah, I want I want Eugene to come on on our podcast. It's one of my dreams i love him i love him i think that there's such if a anyone fun knows eugene let him know please we would love to talk to him we want to do a psa for wait wait, wait. i i know how i know how okay first of all there was a dmv doctor that does mommy makeovers so we already yes. know that we have to reach out to her when we want to get okay. our neck down reconstruction mm -hmm. reconstructive surgery okay yeah so we can, mm -hmm. I think we might have an in through her mm -hmm. to get to Eugene. Maybe. I don't think Eugene knew her. Yeah. And I don't think Jackie. I think Bravo put them together. But Eugene, none of the doctors, they didn't reach out to these other women and talk to them. They were just like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to have these people over because Bravo said we should have them. Yeah. The anesthesiologist was friends with you Eugene. Was. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So that was it. Never mind. We'll have to find another way. I'll have to yeah. go down to the area where Eugene works, get hurt, and be in the ER on a weekend mm -hmm. when he's on call, so that then I can. I'll get push you down. A, I'll push you down the <laughs> stairs. You'll go down to Atlanta. We'll find the nearest stair stairs near Eugene when he's on duty, and I'll push you down. So then I will take you in. <laughs> oh, I have an even better idea. We should go but, to the compound. No, I'm not falling. No. <laughs> We should go to the compound where Toya plays tennis. Yeah. Very easy for me to get hurt playing tennis because I don't know how to play tennis. Get clocked oh, yes. in the head with a ball. Next uh -huh. thing I know, I'm in the ambulance on yeah. my way to see Dr. Eugene. With Toya. With Toya Taking next to me. Oh, what a dream. That would be a scene. What a strange dream I have for myself. <laughs> I want to be Dolores when I grow up and in my current times i would like to get hit in the face of the ball you want to be best friends with toya <laughs> no i want to just meet eugene i don't want to eugene to yeah you want eugene we want to be friends with eugene we want eugene to be our bestie so we could hang yeah i think he would be fun yeah he would be fun it would 
Yeah. Again, I do want to note that on social media, Anila is buddies with everybody but Toya mm-hmm. right now. That's interesting. And she's doing a lot of hangs with Heavenly yeah. and Quad and Jackie I'm get- and I'm getting, Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite on board with Anila yet. Me either. It's, it's like I was excited to have a Desi girl there, but I'm not able to connect with her at all. It, I connect yeah. with Kieran a lot more. Kieran, yes. Kieran's sense of humor is very similar to ours and our husbands and yeah. all of our friends. So Kieran, I found Kieran to be very funny. Very funny, very likable. Anila, not so much. He's okay, it's man. Always- yeah, she's okay. She's all right. I've expressed this before. I can't deal with somebody who facetunes that much. Yeah. Anila's facetune is bordering on, like, she's now anglifying her face, which is really mm-hmm. something I can't stand. So, yeah. but um, but all in all, otherwise, yeah. I, do, it, I do like them in the mix because Karen is more chatty with the husbands and mm-hmm. Anila is quiet enough where she isn't irritating yeah. me completely. But otherwise, again, Married to Medicine makes me happy. And I'm happy that next yeah. week my girl Quad is back. Not just Quad. It's Giselle and oh, yeah. Pastor Holy Hole. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. Right. So there's going to be yeah. that crossover of my girls from Potomac. Yeah. And yeah, Pastor Holy Whore. Yeah. Very interesting to see the timeline of he this is, all. He is going to be more open and um, having a good time with the guys in this show than he ever spoke to any of the guys in Potomac. Yes. He didn't hang out with the guys in Potomac, did he? He didn't even meet the ladies in Potomac. Yeah, he barely met his ladies in Potomac. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I thought it was really good. Oh, the other thing I want to note, yeah, on New Jersey next week, they're showing that Luis comes on the show, Teresa's boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, we can't wait, blah, blah, blah. I just want to tell you guys that all those scenes with Luis were filmed in like February or January because there's like snow on the ground. And then they also have the ladies talking and they're sitting outside and it's like beautiful weather. Yeah. And it's like October. Yeah. So you know what, Bravo? You can't pull, yeah. a, pull a fast one on us. Yeah, we'll point out. We're going to take snapshots of each of those scenes and put together the timeline and what the weather was in New Jersey at that day. Mm, I don't know. You have to that. do a weather report. And that's, you, know, you will do it. I know. <laughs> There'll be a low on one day. There's like, you're like fiddling. There's something running on your computer. And you're like, what can I do on on Instagram? The stuff that you post. I'm like, when did she have time to do all of that? Unfortunately, it's when I'm on calls. And I don't have to yeah. pay that much attention. See, that's when this is going to happen. A weather report from those days. You know what? Time. I might do it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, it was an exciting week of TV, but. I did not watch Summer House yet, and I can't wait to watch that. Oh, my God. No, you have to watch it. I think I'm going to watch it again before we record it, because why not? It was fun to watch Hannah being dragged, but also it was not satisfying enough. I wanted it to be even worse than that. Well, so next week is going to be exciting because we will talk about Summer House. We're going to have Kendrick from the Me and You Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, and it's going to be very exciting because Kendrick is a Hannah sympathizer. That's what? And you you let it, you're letting him come on? Like Really? <laughs> okay, he's not a complete what is this? Like, He's not a complete Hannah sympathizer. I just okay. want to say that I think that he will play a good devil's advocate. I don't know for you us. I don't know you Kendrick and I don't know if I want to now. What? <laughs> No, it's going to be fun. Going to, like, this is, it's going to be fun. He likes this, to just... What is this? The UN that we have to compromise and we have to work together? 
This is like wrong. We have to. But it's so funny because at the beginning when you were starting to hate Hannah, I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's not that bad. And now I hate her so much. And you're like, look, I yeah, still hate her. She's a moron. No, but you are like, you are actually a little less than that. You're like, yeah, she's a loser. I'm like, no, she's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you started I off being like, overboard. yeah, you started off being like, I feel sad for her. And I was like, yes. fuck this bitch. And now I'm yes. kind of like, she's a loser and I don't want to even think about her. And now yeah. you're like, fuck this bitch. So anyway, exactly. Kendrick is going to come on next week um, on our Summer House of Married to Medicine episode. Also, Kendrick loves Married to Yay. Medicine. So that's going to be really, really fun. But I can't yeah. wait. You know, we're going to make Kendrick explain his stance on Hannah we're going to make him explain mm-hmm. how Sierra is. You're going to put him on the stand. Y- yes, we are going to put him on the stand for his standing. Okay? <laughs> so yes. check us out then and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.